0: With the rise of Gabe Spire and Justin Topa, could the Mariners bullpen be even better than it was in 2022? And how concerning is Julio's recent slump? We'll answer that and more here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, April 17th, 2023. This is Tanning Gonzalez and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast, brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MLB60 and use promo code MLB60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much for making us your first listen, subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you listen to us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We want to see how many of you can call yourselves a true everydayer of the Locked On Mariners podcast. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon by scanning the QR code right above my head, link as well as our social account is also in the description of this episode and this episode is mailbag monday the show where we answer your seattle mariners questions let's just dive right into them colby starting with nick who asked would you say our team's two strike approach is poor overall it seems as though they don't shorten up their swings or expand their zone is this an issue at the player level or coach colby floor is yours my man
1: no, it's not an issue, uh, period. Uh at floor at the you know, at the coaching level or the player level. Just not really a thing. Two strike exists or two strike approach really kind of stopped existing ten years ago when major league baseball teams just decided they really didn't care that much if you struck out a lot as long as you can make up for it in other areas and, and that area has been so far power. Um, you know, when you look at where the Mariners rank in terms of strikeouts, they're not egregiously high. Um You know they're they're kind of they're in towards the top of the pack, uh, top of the middle of the pack, but they're right there, you know, basically in the middle of the pack in a lot of different categories, including two strike hitting, um, and and all that stuff. So um, the approach isn't really the problem, you know, and and the guys who are kind of struggling with strikeouts right now, Raleigh, Teoscar, um, Gino, Julio, right now, those are guys you kind of expect to strike out some. Uh, so I, I, really don't think, I mean, Ty France isn't striking out. JP is not striking out. Um, you know, these are guys who you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna strike out some when you're trying to hit for power, like these guys are, you're going to strike out a little bit more. And really what you're sacrificing is probably, I don't know, 10 singles for 15 home runs. Uh, you know, they re- were to drastically change their approach. Um, so it's just not worth it. The calculus isn't in your favor to to worry too much about strikeouts um and therefore adopt a really aggressive two-strike approach. It's just not really a thing in Major League Baseball anymore. It hasn't been for 10 years, ever since, you know, the strikeout really uh dominated baseball. And, and honestly, how much would a two-strike approach really help with the dominant level of, of pitching that we have in the big leagues right now? Everybody coming out of the bullpen's throwing 98 with a wipeout slider. It's it's really not gonna help. So you might as well go out there, you might as well, you know try and do damage even with two strikes because it's really hard to to string together three singles to score off a reliever. You're going to have to hit a double or a home run or something uh, to make that happen. So uh, I really don't think the two-strike approach is a, much of a thing anymore. And even if it was, the Mariners aren't terrible with two strikes. So I would say mm-hmm. it's not really a problem right now.
0: The Mariners, interestingly enough, are actually third in major league baseball in hard contact uh percentage 34% of the balls that they put in play hard contact on two strike counts uh they are striking out round middle of the pack um just like they are overall uh on two strike uh two strike counts 43.3% of the time striking out they're also about 13th in wrc plus with uh for their 14th uh, with a mark of 44 The leader in that category is the Braves with 95, Uh, and then there's a pretty big gap between first and second place. The Phillies are at second with a WRC plus of 77 on two strike counts. The A's, interestingly, are right behind them and third. Uh, But overall, you know, we've talked a little bit about them taking pitches. Just down the middle, just, you know, fastballs down the pipe for strike three. That's been a little bit annoying. Would like to see them get a more, you know, get more aggressive on those types of pitches. But like Colby said, overall, you know, you don't want to change guys' philosophies too much, especially for guys like Julio, Teoscar, Gino for, you know, as many strikeouts as they're going to rack up, they're also going to hit some game changing, maybe even season changing home runs in those spots as well. So. It's a give and take type of situation.
1: Yeah. It's it's frustrating to see him strike out with a guy on third and and one out or nobody out, but mm-hmm. just kind of part of baseball right now. And and I I don't think that ad- adopting a, a ob- obvious two strike approach type of swing is is really the the answer that you're hoping for.
0: Next question here comes from Doug. Are we starting to get a little worried about a possible sophomore slump? No, for Julio. Next. Next question. Seriously, though, I mean, it's Julio at the end of the day. And look, he's been a hell of a lot better this April than he was last April. Mm-hmm. So we think that he can have a similar May through October as he did last year. You're looking at a 6-plus-1 player. Uh, Julio is going to be fine. Julio's Julio. Like we said, within the context of talking about Jared Kelnick and when he would face adversity, talked about everyone slumps. Everyone's going to slump including guys like Julio, and we're seeing Julio go through one of the few slumps that he'll have over the course of the season, just like everyone else, just like Jordan Alvarez and Mike Trout and Joey Otani and Aaron Judge. All those guys are going to slump at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that the slump for Julio has only been about a week. Uh, the first week yeah. of the season, he was really good. He was fun. Um, mm-hmm. And even this last week, he still found a few hits here and there. You know, he's managed to keep his head above water, uh, but he is in a little bit of a, of a slump right now, but uh, just in general, I don't really think sophomore slumps exist to the degree that a lot of fans think they do anymore. Just because it used to be back in the day, you know, it would take about a year to get a good report on you. Um, but now, every single pitch of every single game is is recorded and televised, and there's scouts from every other team from every team at every game just watching for the little way that they can exploit you. There's so much data that pitchers are adjusting pitching staffs and coaching staffs are adjusting to the hitter in the middle of a game. Uh they're not waiting, you know, till next year to to try and, and get you on this and and Julio has to react and he has to counterpunch their 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 counterpunches and it's just this give and take. So I don't really think sophomore slumps exist all that much anymore. Um sure, sometimes guys have better rookie years than second seasons, but that's probably has more to do with the Batter not making the adjustment to the new pitching style than it does just that the league's figured him out because Julio knows how teams are attacking him now, too. Of course he does. Mm-hmm. He's not stupid. Mm-hmm. The Mariners aren't stupid. Uh he'll make his adjustment, the league will adjust back, and it's just a back and forth type of thing. And that's why slumps happen. So no, mm-hmm. I'm not worried at all about Julio. And I, I really don't think sophomore slumps are are that big of a thing. And and you know, what is a sophomore slump? If Julio is a five win player this year, Is that a slump because he was a 6'1 player last year? I I guess, but are we really concerned about that? No, shouldn't be.
0: Right, so at the end of the day, concerned? Not at all. A little frustrated with what we're seeing out of Julio? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In some of these situations where he's overswinging, he's trying to do way too much. uh, But also amidst this slump that he's in, he's also racked up some pretty high of lows. they've just gone right at guys and then he also had that really nice basis clearing triple the other night against the Rockies as well so there's still been some positive things out of Julio even when he's not doing what you need him to do when he's not being the guy that you need him to be but that's going to happen over the course of the season I'm not concerned about Julio I still think that he's well on his way to a 6-7 plus win season and uh you know, finishing hopefully in the top five of American League MVP voting. That's what I think that he can still be this year. And he's off to a decent enough start to uh, get him on track to do that, I think, even with this little bit of slump that he's going through right now. All right. So we have more questions coming in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next level competitions and rewards mlb game weeks happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle and at the end of game weeks, so rare mlb managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards which can include so rare scarcity cards game tickets merchandise signed jerseys and vip experiences like meeting mlb stars just like seattle mariners center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to so rare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S O R A R E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. And before we get into The rest of our questions, because we don't have any more ad reads, I'm sure some of you will be happy to know that. We are going to do that thing that we do every single episode where we talk about our fundraiser over on Feeding America. So Colby, tell us what's going on over there.
1: People are hungry. They need food. We can help them. Uh, Nice. (laughs) End of summation. Uh, Yeah, obviously, you guys probably know this by now, we've teamed up with Feeding America Uh, It's a fantastic organization which aims to end food insecurity in the United States. Uh, 34 million people are affected by food insecurity every single day. 9 million of them are children, and we can all help. Uh, Feeding America works with wholesalers uh, to turn every dollar that is raised into 10 delicious, nutritious meals to help those facing food insecurity. Uh, So we started a, a fundraiser page with Feeding America Last month, at the end of last month, with the goal of raising $500, you guys have knocked it out of the park. We're nearing $6,000 um, with, you know, about two weeks left to go. Uh, we are, at last check, the 13th largest individual Feeding America fundraiser in the world right now. Um, and that's all thanks to you guys. So if you want to donate, again, remember, every dollar raise is 10 meals. So $10 would get you 100 meals. Um And Hey, you know, Jared Kellnick's number 10. It's the week of Jared Kellnick. So, you know, maybe think about it, think about it. But if you do want to donate any amount is, is truly appreciated. You can donate by scanning the QR code that is on the screen right now. If you're watching on YouTube, or you can click the link in the description of either the video, or if you're listening only, uh, it'll be in the description of the episode. The link has been fixed. So you should be able to click it and and take you to the fundraising page. Uh, If you've already donated and you want to help even more, uh, you could always, you know, Share the video, share the link with your friends, your family, uh, your your coworkers, whatever. Or you can just subscribe to this channel. Every subscription we get in the month of April, Ty and I are donating ten cents to Feeding America, one meal essentially for every new subscriber. And we're closing in on five hundred new subscribers right now, so we might get to a thousand uh, by the end of the month. We'll see. Uh, but that's another way you can help. And finally, you know, again, if you've already done all that and you've tapped yourself out as far as you can go, thank you very much. But consider maybe sharing uh, this fundraiser uh, link with with friends, family. Put it on your Facebook, on you know TikTok, Instagram, wherever you can. You can spread the word, um, and you know ask your ask your uh, employer if, if they will match your donation because apparently a lot of uh, employers uh, do that type of thing. So uh, thank mm-hmm. again, thank you guys so much for all the support. It's been incredible. The, it's been really fun to watch the the number go up every day. Uh, And to see all the, all the fun messages that are put on the donations and, you know, whether it's anonymous or, or, you know, you want to let us know who you are. We, we do appreciate it uh, very much. And, and, you know, we're closing in on 60,000 meals uh, raised, uh, you know, through Feeding America in about what, three weeks. So it's really, really cool to see the community come together like this.
0: Thank you guys a ton for the great response to this. Let's keep it going. Because at 10 k I'm getting that tattoo. Mm-hmm. So, get us to 10K. And hey, if you want to maybe donate more than $10 for Jared Kelnick, maybe 34 for Felix because he is still the last major leaguer to throw a perfect game, Colby. That's right. <sighs>
1: I couldn't care less. <laughs> I know you
0: don't. Let's see if you maybe care less about this question from Joe. Says he's only been on the major league roster a week, but do you think Justin Topa is turning into something similar to Paul Seawald turned into in 2021? Seems like they're thrust or trusting him more uh, because they gave him the ball in the eighth inning today. So, yeah, we saw Topa late in yesterday's game. Uh, He continues to pitch very well. What do you think about what we've seen out of Topa? Is
1: he the this year's
0: version of Paul Seawald
1: Colby? It's possible. Um, there are some similarities. Both guys kind of had cups of coffee with their first organization. They didn't really go that well. Um, acquired by Seattle for Seawall, that was just a minor league free agent deal. The Mariners uh, traded, but didn't trade a lot. And, and Topo was kind of a, you know, an afterthought in the off season. Um, you know, they both kind of throw from a, a high sidearm style uh, release point. Uh, you know, they both kind of have sliders that they they rely on heavily. Topa's sinker. Is a little bit more of a weapon, or it's a little bit different of a weapon than, than Seawalt's fastball. Seawalt's fastball, while not explosive in any manner whatsoever, is still a pretty good pitch for him. So uh, yeah, there are some similarities here in terms of could could he just be that style though? Could Justin Topa end up being like a high leverage arm that the Mariners trust? Uh, you know, late late in the season in these you know must win type of games. Sure, it's certainly possible. We've already seen them kind of start to do that. Um, we saw him come in uh last night in the eighth ahead of Matt Brash in a one run game. Uh Brash wasn't used at all um yesterday. So maybe that's telling, maybe that's not. We'll see. Uh but yeah, I think they're starting to trust Topa and obviously they're they're starting to trust Spire's uh Spire a little bit. Um so yeah, uh I think it's possible. Sure. Uh, you know, Jerry and, and his staff are pretty good at this and uh Topa's always had good stuff. It's just kind of been a matter of of harnessing it. Uh, correctly and the Mariners seem to be doing a pretty good job of that so far. Um, we'll see it's only been a handful of outings and and any reliever can look good for you know five outings. Uh, we'll see how he looks on outing 10, 20, 30 uh, if he gets there but so far so good and yeah it, it's hard not to like the stuff uh, that we've seen from Topa so far.
0: It's still very early and the the data is limited but one interesting thing that I've seen or that I've noticed in Topa's profile this year, is that the slider velocity has gone gone up almost a full tick. And we talk about how the Mariners try to emphasize certain things in a guy's game or try to elevate certain pitches in a a guy's repertoire. And it seems like maybe they've done that a little bit here with the slider, but still the the data is so limited at this point, we don't know for sure. Uh, But that is something to at least keep an eye on as the season progresses. Uh, We have another question about the bullpen here, Colby. This one comes from Stu. I think this bullpen has the potential to outperform last year's group. Topa and Spire have been fantastic additions. Is there anything you would change at this point? Well, Colby on Thursday, you and I talked about potentially moving on from Diego Castillo. Is that the answer here? Is there anything else you would
1: change about this
0: bullpen right now?
1: Not right now. Um, Yeah, Diego's interesting. He's the stuff is really flattened out. He's just not throwing enough strikes either. So it's tough to trust Diego and even mop up duty right now. Uh, uh-huh. you know, we saw him what walk a guy and hit a guy with a seven run lead in the ninth, the other night. Yeah. Um, it's just really tough The sliders, you know, the sliders actually been a little bit better this year, but it can still flatten out on you, which means he has to get value out of the, either the sinker or the, or the four seamer. And it's just not the velocity's down. um, Diego's really the only guy I would consider moving on from right now, but I still think you want to give him another couple of outings just to see because the ceiling on Diego is, you know, a legitimate, you know, back-end guy who avoids hard contact and gets a few strikeouts. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that I would change anything in the pen right now with the exception of, you know, getting Andres Munoz back and healthy. And it sounds like he's on track to come back at the minimum, uh, 15 days and and you know move on from from mccacken who is right now just kind of there to exist <laughs> if needed. he's just chilling yeah. yeah so yeah i think that's the move because you don't want to bring up anybody and then send them back down for mccacken you could just keep mccacken in the pen for now um so yeah i think that's it um because once muñoz comes back obviously you know McCacken is is the move for munoz uh Uh, and then everybody else right now i I think you're okay with you know brash maybe a couple more rough outings where he's really struggling to throw strikes maybe you make a move there but i think you just kind of chill with the bullpen as is and and you know be opportunistic if if somebody hits the waiver wire that you like and don't be afraid to to make that move but no i I think the bullpen Uh is okay right now but there are a couple guys who are Certainly, I don't want to say they're on the hot seat, but we're certainly watching them a little closer to see if, if maybe they need to make a move there. And guys like Taylor Saucedo, um and mm-hmm. uh, A.J. Riley O'Brien. Yeah, Riley O'Brien. A.J. Puckett is a guy who already moved up to AAA. They really like his stuff. Uh wantaine is another guy who looks like he's, you know, back to where he was a few years ago. or Well, back to where we thought he could be a few years ago out of the bullpen. So, yeah, the Mariners have some options there uh, that they can call on pretty easily. So... Yeah, I don't think you're making a move yet, but I I think you're you're watching pretty much you're watching Brash and and Castillo right now and, and Castillo is the easy one if you do have to make a move.
0: Yeah, and before I think it's just it's going to be a while before we see a, a pretty significant move in the bullpen and that's probably when you finally have some clarity with regards to Perlander Barella and what and what you want to do with him this season if you want him to actually throw out of the bullpen or not. Um, Isaiah Campbell could make a play eventually. Um, but, you know, O'Brien, Puckett, some of those guys, I'm sure they're going to filter in here. Maybe yeah. they'll even start doing that now. Maybe that spot that currently uh, McCacken holds will kind of rotate some of those guys through and uh, they'll see who ends up sticking. Um, but they're not short of options. And knowing the history and the reputation that this organization has, for relief talent and for developing relief talent, talent and identifying them, I'm sure one of those guys is going to hit <laughs> for them. I, I I would feel fairly confident about that, so I'm not too concerned about the bullpen. I think they'll eventually find their their uh, you know good mix of eight guys that they go with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So next question here comes from Daisy in the Dango who asks if Kelnick keeps on playing well, what does the role look like for Taylor Trammell? When he gets back. Um,
1: How good does Taylor Trammell look?
0: Yeah, that, that's the important part. That's the right? only
1: important part. Yeah. Because the Trammell looks good. You still have at-bats to give because you haven't figured out something to do with the DH. Um, you're still yep. bat short. So, if Trammell mm-hmm. looks good, he just rotates in the outfield and the DH like the other three guys or four guys mm-hmm. with Pollock. Yep. Pretty simple, really. But he has to look good yeah. is the thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know, ultimately affords you more opportunities, and this is again assuming that he looks good and Kelnick looks good. It affords you more opportunities to DH Teo and possibly get Trammell and Kelnick and Julio all in this in the same outfield, which would be really nice defensively. Um, also
1: gives you a legitimate center field option, so you can give Julio a day off or have Julio DH uh, once in a while. Uh, Trammell is a legitimate center fielder. Kelnick is passable. So yeah, yeah it. it yeah afford you a lot of different opportunities, but ultimately Tremel has to play well.
0: He has to play well. He has to stay healthy. Yep. He has to be healthy when he gets here too. So mm-hmm. all those questions need to be answered first. But yeah, if both of those guys are looking good, I mean, that's great for the Mariners. That's a right now a, that gives them that, that gives them an answer to one of their biggest
1: issues right now. So sure. Right now you have four guys for four spots. You want mm-hmm. to have five guys. For four spots is what you really want. And Agreed. that could be Tremell.
0: Next question here comes from Cody. Are you concerned at all about Tom Murphy's slow start?
1: Mm, no, not really. Why? Because it's been like twelve at bats. That's and good point. The guy yeah. missed, you know, an entire year and he's just mm-hmm. now getting back to seeing major league pitching um on a nightly basis so no um yeah just i'm not going to be concerned about anybody in april it's just it's it's not going to happen so um you know it's been murphy's looked really rough uh there's no denying that he's looked awful at the plate um hasn't looked amazing behind it hasn't been a huge issue but not looking great behind it either uh but again this is a guy who had major surgery on his shoulder and we know that that how that can disrupt your swing and, and everything and you can take as many hacks as you want in the, in the cages and and spring training at bats, but it's just not the same. It's not the same as seeing major league Hmm. pitching. Um, So yeah, I I think you have to give Murphy a little bit of time to kind of reestablish his, you know, his eye, his hand, his shoulder, like he just has to get reestablished and we'll see what happens. Uh, He doesn't have unlimited time, but there really isn't an option aside from Murphy. It's, it's pretty much him and, Cooper Hummel hasn't been much better and, and Hummel is not the same caliber of catcher as uh, as Tom mm. is defensively. And I, I know Brian O'Keefe's gotten off to a really good start in Tacoma, but so, like, has the bat speed gotten significantly better? Maybe it has, I don't know. Um, but that's kind of been the big issue with, with O'Keefe and why he hasn't been in the majors for more than the cup of coffee is that there's some real question about whether or not he can hit velocity. Uh, and maybe he's a 4A player. I don't know, but I I don't think that you want to – and by the way, remember, if you want to move on from Tom Murphy, you have to DFA him, and somebody's going to pick Mm -hmm. up Tom Murphy. So I don't think O'Keefe's the answer. I don't think Hummel's the answer. Nottingham's not the answer. So until Murphy is so bad for so long that you have to make a move, Mm -hmm. don't make a move. Just kind of ride it out.
0: And to me, Murphy's defense, his – leadership which we know that he's he's one of the you know the bigger voices and in that clubhouse and his rapport with the pitching staff matters a lot more to me than whatever he's doing offensively if i just have to assume that he's kind of a black hole in my lineup at least for now then so be it that's pretty much the case for most backup catchers in major league baseball anyway it's disappointing that he's he's not coming out of the gates blazing hot you know and and Mm -hmm. really kind of living up to this uh, you know we've talked about how the Mariners could potentially have the best catching situation in all of baseball that hasn't been the case so far but nevertheless they have a a pretty normal uh, or a better than average you know catching situation still because they have one of the better catchers in in baseball in Cal Raleigh so
1: yeah yeah You know, a lot of teams have a black hole at the catcher position, not the back in the general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Martin Maldonado is the starting catcher for the, for the Houston Astros who are a World Series-like favorite. Yeah.
0: Great defender. Yeah. Terrible yep. Terrible offensive player. Except when he plays against the Mariners.
1: Oh, well, when he plays against the Mariners, he's Johnny Bench. But, you yeah. know, David Fletcher is Ryan Sandberg. So it happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, David Fletcher now in Triple A after the call up of Zach Neto, which has not worked out properly for uh, the uh, it's, Angels. It's, far. it's only been a couple of games. It's, it's been all. It's only been a couple. As games, you know, but, I'm a yeah.
1: Zach Neto fan, but yeah, yeah, not not great so far. Not great.
0: All right. Next question here comes from Daisy and the Dingo again. Who has impressed you thus far in the farm system through the first two weeks of minor league games? Nobody.
1: <laughs> it's over. I'm gonna
0: start. With, I'm gonna start with Cole Young. Cole Young's For been sure. awesome this year. Uh, yeah, of course I am because the guy just keeps on hitting. I think he's around a 400 average right now through the first nine games of the year. He has seven extra base hits. We haven't seen the over the wall power. We, we haven't seen a home run yet. Matters. But uh, yeah, Cole <laughs> but Young he has, is
1: a backup. He's he's Sam Haggerty. Like fine, whatever. <sighs> Cole Young's been really good. <laughs> yeah.
0: We, we we've seen we've seen him have six doubles, one triple already through the first nine games of the year. He just keeps on hitting, and he's playing good defense. You're seeing all the things that you really want out of Young, aside from the development of power over the wall power. So, would like to see more of that as the year progresses. But again, we're only nine games in, so there's still plenty of time for that to happen. Yeah,
1: he's going to see Everett soon. Um, yeah, I yeah, he's not long for Modesto. No, if if he continues anywhere near this pace, he's not going to make it to Memorial Day uh in, in modesto. So um mm-hmm. outside shot that maybe he he see here in Arkansas, I'd say unlikely, but you know, maybe he gets a cup of coffee at the end. Um yeah, you know, I, I think Brian Wu is a guy who's really, you know, opened up some eyes again. Um just just the one start I think so far for Wu. Two. 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 So Two. um yep. okay. But Wu's been really good. Uh he might be closer to big to helping you in the rotation right now than Bryce Miller. Miller's been okay. Uh but you know the slider hasn't really worked out too well and his outings have been fine but not amazing so we'll see it's early for him emerson hancock has has created some buzz there seems to be uh some belief that he's he's extracting value out of his fastball right now uh there are reports that he's actually getting more extension uh than he than he was in the past and that's allowing the fastball to play up a little bit more at the top of the zone Which is great because we already know Hancock has the the really good changeup and and he throws a ton of strikes. So uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, How about Hogan Windish? Seems like he's Mm. just continuing to mash and and like this is a guy who just feels like he's inevitably going to hit his way to the big leagues. Um, You know, and you figure out what to do with him. But he's not a zero at second base either. I'm not saying he's good, but he's better than Ty France at second base. So. Maybe he can have a little bit of defensive versatility, but he continues to just absolutely crush the ball. Um, and that that's good to see. So, yeah, there's a lot of really good things happening down on the farm right now. Uh, Harry Ford is an on-base machine, not really hitting for average right now, but I think he's walked like two times in like six of the last eight games or something like that. Like he is drawing plenty of walks and he's hitting the ball hard. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good hmm. things happening down on the farm. Um, you know, Juan Tain, again, looks like he's a legitimate uh, major league bullpen arm right now. Uh, so yeah, a lot of fun things are happening, but uh, I'd say Hogan Windish, Cole Young, and and Brian Wu probably still on the show so far.
0: Yeah, Wu looks very comfortable in his uh, first little taste of double A ball. So that's been nice to see. And and like you said right now, he's looked better than than Bryce Miller. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, this whole, oh, Miller's the guy. Miller's going to be the five, you know, eventually. Maybe that's actually woo. Maybe it's Emerson Hancock.
1: Yeah. You know, who knows? It could be. I I think both of those guys would fare better right now against a major league lineup than Miller. Hmm. Um, just because Miller right now is basically one pitch. Um, Miller.
0: And that and that may mean that Miller ends up pitching out of the bullpen at some point in Seattle this year. Yeah. It's it's early. It's very early. But again, you know, if, right. he, if he can't really figure that out, you can still get some value out of him pitching out of a relief roll uh,
1: same with so. Wu same with uh, you know same with Hancock uh, and same with Broa. so yeah that yep. double a rotation uh, pretty pretty good
0: all right last question of the day Colby comes from at dime flows are you worried about Colton Wong's offensive performance so far Colby you're the one
1: guy so I would say I'm it. the right guy um, mm. David Wright, of course Um Jamie Wright, former Mariner. Um, No.
0: that's such a weird poll.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. I used to dominate with him in MLB 2K, 12. Uh, Nasty cutter curveball combo. Um,
0: Rob Rob Brantley, MLB 2K, 12. Also former Mariner. Also former Mariner, yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. For a brief moment. Uh, No, I'm not really. Uh, It's been frustrating to see him struggle like this, Uh, but it's... He's still, he's not chasing all that much. Like the quality of the at bats are okay. Uh, he's just not getting hits, you know, and, and that's a bummer. And, and obviously, you know, he's, by this point, he's definitely pressing. Uh, it's it's not easy to look up at the scoreboard and see, you know, a sub 100 batting average at any point, but let alone in, in the middle of April. So, uh, yeah. no, I'm not worried. Uh, by the way, teams on a four game winning streak, and half the questions we got today are are you worried about a player? Come on, guys. I'm the negative one, really really uh, wow because i'm not worried about anything and here we're. oh my god julio's awful colton wong's been so bad oh my what are we gonna do when four games in a row i i don't know that's, that's not good enough for you anymore that's right i'm turning it on you guys
0: turning it on the chats yes. colby chat node <laughs> over here get a load of these guys yeah uh <laughs> no i'm not i'm
1: not yet worried about wong uh offensive performance but you just have to figure it out pretty quick uh the Mariners don't really have another option right now, especially since we don't know if Dillon coming back at all. Um, they keep on saying, no, he's a couple of days away, but you say that every couple of days and you get to July and you're like, oh, well, you know, stuff happens. So,
0: saw him in the dugout during the Rocky series.
1: Ooh, fun. Ooh.
0: I mean, he's alive. Yeah, he exists still.
1: That's good. But yeah, and it's not like Haggerty has pushed the issue there either with his play. So, yeah, you know, you just kind of have to wait it out and trust the back of the baseball card. Uh, so no, I'm not worried yet. Uh, but I do think, you know, we're we're about a month away from having to ask some some pretty tough questions about, you know, how do you extract value out of Colton Wong if he's not going to hit? But there's nothing in Colton Wong's past that would lead you to believe that he all of a sudden decided or or his body decided that he's not a major league quality player at thirty years old, thirty-one years old. So no, not too worried about it yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you're just going to have a couple of guys that start out slow. It's weird. There's really no explanation for it, but just an entire batting order just doesn't all get out to a hot start all at once for every team. I don't know why it just, it always happens. And it's always a couple of guys that you just, you don't expect to really struggle. And Colton's someone that, yeah, I didn't think was going to get off to a, you know, a 300, 400, you know, 500, like start to the season. but like. I also didn't think that he was going to be this bad coming off of the last couple of years, made a swing change. He he's had some real good success at the play the last couple of years. He's been a 115, 117 WRC plus guy the last two years. So it's weird to see him just kind of fall off the face of the earth to start this year, but also it's so early. And if he has just a, a good string of games for a week offensively, those numbers are going to drastically change because we're so early on still, and numbers are still all over the place at the start of the year. So um, yeah, if it, if it gets, you know, if we're a month down the line here and it's still this, if we're not even seeing some form of progress, yeah, we need to have a serious conversation about Colton and, and have a serious conversation about what the Mariners need to do at second base and how they need to get better at that position. But right now, uh, you just kind of have to write it out because I, I still think there's really good ball player there in Colton Wong. Um, we just haven't seen it yet but I think we will eventually any closing thoughts before we head out of here, Colby.
1: And I'm just shocked that you guys are as negative as you are. Um, You know, teams playing pretty good ball right now and you guys are just whining and complaining the entire time. Mm, Weird. It's weird. You know, I just, wow. Here. I thought I was the negative one, but Mm. you guys have managed to surprise even me. Look yeah. in the mirror, people.
0: Look in the mirror. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Let's, yeah. All right. That's gonna do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm titan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at lo underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPat11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Be sure to tune in tomorrow so we recap tonight's game between the mariners and the brewers and we'll get you set for tomorrow night's game as well on that episode and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace